you're glad to be in the place tonight where miracles can happen, where lives can be mended, hearts can be touched. And now as we come to this part of the service, let me say welcome to all of our guests. God bless you for coming and being in this service with us tonight. Now the part of the service and the word of God, the man of God that's going to come to this pulpit. It's called that for a purpose. It's called that for a reason. Hallelujah. We've all found ourselves prior and even after the baptism of the Holy Ghost, finding ourselves sometimes in the pit. But you know what? God has designed and set up and orchestrated the church and the fivefold ministry to help keeping us pulled out. And if we really listen, a lot of times he'll warn us before we ever get there and keep us, sometimes keeping us, and sometimes it's his will for it to happen because there's a reason to be in the pit. It's not about us sometimes. Is it maybe about the one that's in the pit? As you come out, they can come with you. So let's have an ear to hear the word of God that it penetrate our souls, our hearts, our spirits, and who we are. Thank God for the man of God man of God of this let me tell you something we need to pray for the men of God across our nation there's ever been a time that the five-fold ministry needs to hear the voice of God and the, know the heart of God it's now we're living in dangerous times and we need a clear voice clear direction to be and become all that God wants us to in this end time so I appreciate brother Barry and his family only come give him a good bend they'll welcome this pulpit we're going to preach with him all. God bless him come on Come on, let's give that unto Jesus. He's worthy. Come on, let's clap like we love him tonight. Let's magnify him. Let's exalt him. Let's worship him like he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. If he's really our everything, we'll give him our everything. If what we say with our lips is really true, we'll express that. We're going to his in his presence. It's so good to be in the house of God tonight. Thank you, Pastor Moore, for another opportunity to be here and to minister to God's people, his so great a people. And we definitely are in different times, different times than, than we've been in before. And, uh, most of you know that I'm you talk to me much, no matter what topic it is, I'm, I'm pretty much a moderate, except when it comes to this great truth. Uh, you want to talk politics, uh, I'm conservative, but I'm moderate. And uh, so if you talk to me about how bad things are out there, I can give you, I can give you pictures of the past when it's been worse and uh, that there, there's, there's hope. Now, I, I realize the end time. I realize all that. And that's, that trumps everything. I got that. But the church, the church is going to be all right. I said the church is going to be good. I don't mean this building. It might go away. But the church, the body, we're going to be okay. The true church of God, the people of God, we're going to be fine. We're going to be fine. We're going to be glorious because that's what he's going to make us. We're going to be a beautiful bride. When we stand before him one day, he's, he's going to be in awe of us. As much as we're in awe of him, he's going to be in awe of us. Because the price he paid and what he did for us. But it is good tonight to be in the house of God. Thank you, Pastor Moore, Sister Moore, leadership of this church, Brother Ford. Love and appreciate 
the good people of this church, the elders of this church. And uh, thank you for the examples that you have set through the years for us. And uh, we're, we're, we're appreciative of that. I know that I am, and I can think I can speak for most of the people here. If you have your Bibles tonight, we'll turn with me to Luke chapter 16. Luke 16, we'll begin reading at verse 19. And, and those of you that are familiar with the Bible, uh, probably if, you're, if you know this, you're probably already getting, giving me that uh-oh factor uh, when you know where we're going tonight. But it's, uh, uh, we're here, I just want nothing more than the anointing and the convicting power of the Holy Ghost to move in this place. Uh, see somebody filled with the Holy Ghost, to see somebody encouraged, somebody put on the straight and narrow Someone that's not quite where they need to be, whether that be me, whether that be Pastor Moore, Brother Ford, whoever, we're, we're constantly under his microscope. Uh, and his being the King of kings and the Lord of lords, none other than Jesus Christ. So it is our will to, uh, to do his will. So Luke chapter 16, begin reading at verse 19. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores and desired to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. And the rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in these flames, in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receiveth the good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, and now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. Beside all this between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed. So they which would pass from hence to you cannot, and neither can they pass to us that would come from hence. Then he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou would ascend him to my father, my father's house. For I have five brethren that he may testify unto them. And pay attention here that how quickly it turns from his own plight to those that he loved and that they would not follow in his footsteps, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham saith unto him, Ahab Moses and the prophets, let, let, him, let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went to them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Quickly turning to the book of Jude, verse 23, and it simply says, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. So by the help of the Holy Ghost tonight, I'm going to preach to everyone without the Holy Ghost, but I'm going to preach to everyone with the Holy Ghost. It's, uh, I hope tonight to be able to, to speak to every heart in this place somehow to, to stir you. Hopefully the convicting power of the Holy Ghost will move it here. I'm confident that it will. 
and that we can be changed tonight. I'm going to minister for just a little while tonight by the help of the Holy Ghost simply. It's on fire. It's on fire. Pastor, could you pray? Lord bless you in Jesus' name. You may be seated. Can you give him a good hand clap of praise as you're being seated tonight? I apologize for having my phone with me at the pulpit tonight, but it has a portion of an article that I would, I would read in just a few minutes. Otherwise, I wouldn't have it here. So my apologies if that offends you. Tonight, as I minister, simply that it's on fire. I mentioned this particular event and, and incident from this pulpit before, I think in leading service it was, and it was before prayer one night, and prayer one night before service that I came in, and uh, Brother Ferguson's family was here, and he was not here, which would mean that he would be on a, a call, and uh, I can't remember for sure the details if Braden was on the call too, or if he was at at work, I think he was at work, and uh, and this was how the event unfolded. And so I was, as I was praying, and, and I looked down to my phone to see what time it was. I realized that I had a text, and the and the text was from Braden. That and and maybe it was that he was at work, but it, it may have simply said that that there had responded to a first responder call to a wreck that had happened, and that's where. Uh, Brother Ferguson was, and he said that there was a wreck. It said, and he simply said, the car's on fire, and they can't get him out. And me not knowing the person, my sympathy factor would be simply as yours, that I sympathize with, with whoever it is and whoever's child or, or husband or, or whomever this might be, but it's... Uh, Immediately, for some reason, uh, I was smote and I was pricked in my heart and in my spirit. And, and I began to think very clearly that the situation in the world and the, the things that are out there, that they're on fire. And uh, are we doing everything we can to get them out? And at that moment of time, my heart was pricked. Because of my lack of concern and not because of your lack of concern, but uh, because I thought within myself that uh, I too casually and too lackadaisically uh, take and serve God. And uh, I take for granted the things that I have in salvation uh, and in truth and in revelation of, uh, of what God has given me. And uh, we go in and out of the world and the things and the places that we, we work and we do on a daily basis basis and uh, oftentimes we rub shoulders with people uh, even in this community I don't know how many times I've heard you say uh, all the good people that are in this community uh, really
really good, solid, moral people. And we rub shoulders with them day in and day out, almost oblivious to the fact that they're not ready to meet their maker. It never really dawns on us or stirs us that somehow that we are the key and we are the only hope that they have and we press on through like we push it to the back of our mind like it's not really happening that good people are dying and if they're not going to heaven there's only one alternative and if you believe that this truth that we hold so dearly that it's important that you're baptized in the name of Jesus and filled with the Holy Ghost if that truly is the only truth and we believe that it is and if that is the truth that has taken us to heaven, then it's the same truth that is condemning a world to hell. The same ark that saved eight souls, the water flowed to the ark was the same water that destroyed and damned the rest of the world. I remember years ago, I was given a tape. Uh, Jonathan Ford is the one that had given it to me and I made a CD out of it. My wife did and I wasn't able to find it to, to listen to all the details. But it, it was from Brother Jonathan Suber when he was still uh, over in Bogalusa, Louisiana before. Uh, he made his exodus from the One God Movement. And uh, man, he could preach. Uh, if there was anybody who could preach, Jonathan Suber could preach. And uh, not only was he a pulpiteer, but he was anointed uh, when he was in the pulpit. And uh, but the title of the message was simply looking at the world through the eyes of hell. And there was a story that he relayed in there. And, and I hope to get the details uh, close. Uh, but the story was this and it was true. That there was a man and it, it was that every time in the city that he lived. That any time that the call would go out across the scanner. That there was a residential fire. That there was a house fire. That a man would show up fully clothed in a trench coat with gloves on and with a hat on and with shades on to take in disguise not just who he was but to disguise the fact that he had been disfigured that he had been burnt almost beyond recognition in a house fire that claimed his family his wife and his children and he was not able to take and to rescue them from the burning house and it was now that once he recovered after months and months of therapy and skin grafts that he had made it his life's mission that every time that he would hear the call go across the scanner that he would make his way to the burning house and if they was not quick to restrain him that he would make and he would dart into the burning house to try to rescue somebody's wife and somebody's children that he was not able to do for his own and you said the man is psychotic no the man actually knew the awfulness of what it was to live without a wife and without children he knew the horribleness of what it was to hear the screams as they burned up in a house fire and he was unable to do anything about it so he had made it his mission that every time that he heard that I'll do my best to take and try to remedy my past I'll run 
into the fire with no regards to myself to try to make amends of the things that I couldn't do before. You say, well, he's crazy. No, he's driven by a passion to save someone, to somehow to take and to pull him out of the fire. And when I began to put this together and God began to move upon me, I began to think in myself, Marcus Berry, where is the urgency of the hour to you? November the 1st, my dad turned 76 years old. He's never been baptized in Jesus' name and he's never been filled with the Holy Ghost. And I seem to act like that there's all the time in the world when in reality it's on fire and so far. I have not been able to get him out. It's on fire and time is ticking away. But I still seem to live like there's plenty of tomorrows. Like I've got plenty of time and there's no urgency to the hour. I read the story tonight that Jesus began to tell his disciples about the rich man and Lazarus. This began to be the beginning of his teachings on hell. And it amazes me that a story so awful and so hideous as this, it would take up a half of a chapter when there were so many things to be written about in the life of Jesus Christ. And if you read past here, you begin to read the things like it'd be better for a man to go into heaven halt from taking and cutting off his own hand or go into there blind for plucking out his eye rather than go into the lake of fire you say brother Barry why is it so important Jesus Christ was making a mad dash to the finish line of his ministry and he was trying to put something on the inside of them that said you know what it's urgent and they've got to be saved there is a place called heaven but there's a place called hell. You've got to tell them that they've got to be saved from that awful lake of fire. We've said as ministers time after time that Jesus left the preaching of hell to nobody else. And I know some of you have turned me off tonight. I'm watching you. And I understand that we have been desensitized by Hollywood and the horrific things that we hear every day on the news. The things that we read, they don't make us blush anymore. And things that were so bad before, we seem to think, well, it's just another stat. It's just another statistic. Just another person. Just somebody else going the way of the world. They should have knew better. They should have known not to fall to sin. But let me remind you of something. We was given a great commission to go into all the world. It said that he came to seek and to save that which was lost. We were told to go into the highways and the byways and to compel them to come. To compel them to come. You want to know why? Because there is a hell. As Brother Terry McCain would say, there is a red hot belching hell. And somebody's going there if we don't save them. If we don't reach hard enough and fast enough and furious enough, somebody's not going to make it. September the 11th, 2001, 343 New York City firefighters lost their life. Within minutes of the call going out, they recalled every off-duty firefighter 
for the first time in 30 years when they realized the severity of the fire. Every fire department in the area, every fire station there responded. 75 fire stations lost at least one firefighter that day. And it was that that day they had set up a command center. They had taken in what they had done is everything that they had of resources they deployed there to the site. Every truck, every hazmat unit, everything they had was there, even the chaplain showed up that day. And it was, and this was in the 9-11 commission that I would read to you. It says on the ground, the fire department officials quickly realized that there was no hope of controlling the blaze. Instead, they focused on the desperate mission of evacuating office workers who were inside the two massive buildings. Though they surmised that the Twin Towers had suffered structural damage and the fire suppression systems might have been rendered inoperable. They had almost no solid information about the situation inside. So the firefighters rushed into the unknown. The first firefighter to die died outside the building when a civilian jumped from the south tower and landed on him. The Franciscan priest, the chaplain there, Michael Judge, he made, he made his way there and he stood on the outside and he blessed them and he read them their last rites that you would normally reserve for the man that's on his deathbed. He would read them their life, their last rites and they would get up and they would rush into those burning buildings with everything they had with inside of them. Firefighters later would rush by the dead body of their chaplain Michael Judge as he was hit from debris and he was killed. They ran in here one after the other, and they had no regard for their life. They would run into the building and up into the top. It wasn't long into the hour that the South Tower collapsed upon itself, killing the remaining people there and all the firefighters and the first responders that were on the inside, including the chiefs that were in the lobby that had set up a command station. And so it was as the North Tower, they began to get word of what was going on. It said that they take, they took and they gave the command to evacuate the North Tower, fearing that it would take and collapse also. But because of the poor communications of the day and of the structural steel in the building and the reinforced concrete, some firefighters at the top, they never received the command to evacuate. Some received the command not knowing that the South Tower had collapsed so therefore they had no urgency to evacuate but instead they began to help people who could not find their way out and they took and they lagged behind and they was looking for their comrades that had fallen and it said some on the way down had to stop and rest because they had to take the stairs a hundred and something stories down which is no small feat with all of their gear but here is the horror thing when they got to the to the lobby at the bottom there was no chiefs there to give them the permission to evacuate the building so they stopped and they tarried in the lobby because no one would give them permission to leave the building and then one of the firefighters that had seen the south tower collapse he said we need to leave the building before it collapsed but before all of them could get out they were destroyed by the collapse 
collapsing building that was there. But this is what amazed me by all of these men. They had made a vow and they made a pledge when they said they would be a firefighter. They said regardless of the danger and regardless of the things that are there, regardless of no matter how hot the fire is or how tall the building is or how dangerous might be, they made a vow that I'll go into the building and rescue the innocent lives. And one after the other, they made their way into the building with no regard for their own life. Can I remind us tonight in Bendel, Mississippi, that we have made a vow to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords that we said, if you take and save me from a devil's hell, I'll go anywhere you want me to go. Send me, I'll go. Let me remind you tonight that you did not receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost just to be blessed and just to find yourself a place to sit down in the house of God. You were not filled with the Holy Ghost just because you sing pretty and because you play well or because you preach good, but you was filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost to go into a lost and a dying world and say, hey, come see a man. Come. The world is on fire. I'm here to try to rescue you. Could you come out of there while there's time? Do we not see the urgency of the hour? I'm speaking to people tonight here in this place that do not have the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And I'm talking to some that claim the Holy Ghost. And for your admission, if the Lord came right now, you would not make it. That's not condemnation from me. That's facts. When you take and match it up against this, and you want to know what? I don't see any urgency. I don't see anything that says, you know what? I've got to be saved. Pastor, I remember when I didn't have the Holy Ghost. It drove me all the time. Every time I was at work, I couldn't think of anything. But I got to have the Holy Ghost. I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to die lost. I don't want to meet my maker without the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And Jesus expects me to have the same urgency that says, you know what? The way you wanted to save yourself, you need to want to save your babies and save everybody's babies. I need to be worried about my coworker, about my neighbors, about my dad, about my nieces and nephews. I should be every time I talk to them and say, hey, you want to come to church? Hey, you know, you know, times are funny right now. There's not a lot of time left. And we talk about how bad it is and how upside down it is. You want to know what the real problem is? It's on fire. I said it's on fire and if we don't work diligently we won't get them out. Oh, I say, Brother Barry, why you want to preach that hard? Why you want to preach like that? When's the last time that you've been stirred to the point that you really wanted to go out and to take and help somebody? I can remember the times when that old car would be out there from Georgia with that clothes rack in the back seat. I knew that probably nine out of ten times that Brother Bankston was going to preach on hell. And I didn't want to hear it, but you want to know something? It was that fear that got down on me on the inside when the doctor said, we got to do a biopsy. You might have mouth cancer that it said inside of me, hey, there's a hell and I'm not ready. I said, there's a hell and I'm 
I'm going to go there if I don't receive the Holy Ghost. You want to know why I preach like this? I don't want to see nobody go to hell. I don't want to see nobody damned to a lake of fire. I don't want to see nobody miss heaven. Sister Moore, if you would come. There's got to be an urgency on the inside of us. There's got to be something that stirs us. Hey, if I was lost tonight and I seen the world in this kind of chaos, something would get a hold of me and say, you know what? I don't have much time. I don't have much time. It's got to be the end. It's got to be on fire. It's got to be time is running out. I want to know something, saying to God. When's the last time that you felt the urgency? When's the last time you've been stirred and been moved to stay up all night prayer meeting and say, you know what, God, I need to see my family saved. When is the last time that the reality got a hold of us, Pastor, that says, you know what, I'm standing between them and hell. I'm the only thing keeping them from going to hell. When is the urgency ever got a hold of us? I can't tell you. The sick feeling I got when Braden texted me that. He said it's on fire. And we can't get him out. What a horrible testimony. Mama, I don't want to stand up there one day. I don't want to stand before God one day. And I look around and my daddy's not there. I know we preach. We won't know. And I hope that's the case. But I don't want the story to be. Hey, Felicia, I don't want the story to be that it was on fire and we couldn't get him out. Oh, thank you, Jesus. He saved me. Bless his holy name. And I believe that day when he said, listen, disciples. Listen, it'd be better if you pluck your eye out than to go where I told you the rich man was. If your hand offends you, Peter, you're going to have to preach one day. And I need you to be stirred. And I need you to know the urgency that, hey, it matters. Hey, I love this apostolic church. I love this apostolic worship. Man, I love it when me and you, we just get in here and we just love God. But it ain't just about us. It's about your babies. And the fact that they've got to go to heaven too. I remember Mark Morgan preaching. He said, I had a dream. And in that dream, he said, I was standing at the pulpit and there was a line of people that I knew were sinners and backsliders. Different folks, he said, and they were making their way to the pulpit, up to the front of the altar, and he said they would get close, and he said they would disappear, and they would be gone. He said, and me beginning to panic, to realize that I was responsible for them, and what was happening. He said, I climbed up on the pulpit. He said, and I looked. And there was a pit. He said, and they was falling into a lake of fire. He said, and I reached out with everything that was within me to try to reach them and to save them. He said, but I couldn't reach them. 
We've got to be stirred at the urgency of the hour. It's on fire. And we've got to get them out. Everybody who stands tonight, I can just about with a very vivid memory recall numerous tens upon hundreds of messages that I've heard about a place called hell. And it made a lasting impression on me. Sister Moore, you remember when Ken Gurley preached a holiday from hell? And the convicting power that was there, I had the Holy Ghost. Are the echoes of my sermon by Doug White? Or Michael Dishotel standing outside the ark with Jason Middleton holding one of those little boys up on his shoulder to keep him out of the water. And say, well, did you like them, Brother Barry? No, I hated them. But they did something to me. And they said, you know what? No matter what goes and what comes, you want to know why when she comes to me or he would come to me and they say, what about this, this, and this, that I can stand there as uncomfortable as it might be and as much tears as they might be and say, no, baby, we don't do that. You want to know why? It's on fire. It's on fire. And we can't go there. I said the urgency of the hour and the urgency and the love that we have for people has got to begin to burn on the inside of us and cause us to be moved. They're going to begin to sing. Pastor, I'm so sorry. I, I just, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I prayed. I don't know. I'm so concerned as the convicting power just doesn't move. I said, God, is it me? But I look across faces that are so stone cold and they're not moved. Pastor, I don't understand it. I don't understand. My daddy don't have the Holy Ghost. Some of your babies don't have the Holy Ghost and you're not moved. Who do you think is going to save them? Who do you think is going to reach out and get them? Pastor's going to go to all of them. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, I love you. God, I'm so desperate. I'm so desperate for you to stir us tonight, God. God, I'm so desperate. For the convicting power to move us. Jesus. Jesus. Wake us up. God wake us up right now. God let an urgency. God let a convicting power move. Let the convicting power of the Holy Ghost. The conviction. The the anointing. Let it move. Let it stir us. Can you imagine the firefighter as the chaplain gave him his last rites? Meaning that he was about to face death. With no regards, he ran on into the burning building. 
Brother Ford, I understand why the man shows up at the house. If I'd lived through that, that would have been my heartbeat to help somebody, to help somebody get out. And it should be mine tonight. I escaped. I escaped from that awful place. I should be of the same urgency tonight to want to get somebody out, to help somebody get out while there's time. Come on, Jesus, stir us. Come on, Jesus, stir us. Come on, Holy Ghost. Oh, move us, Jesus. Move us, Jesus. Oh, God, move us. God, stir us right now. God, fill us with a desire. God, fill us with a compassion. God, an urgency tonight. Oh, Jesus. Come on. Come on. Imagine that it's your babies that's in the fire. Come on. Imagine it that it's somebody you love that's in the fire. Imagine that you can take and help them the way you were helped. You can help rescue them the way you was rescued. The way you was pulled out of the flames. The way that somebody loved you and rescued you. Stir us, Jesus.
Great as the glory of heaven's going to be, I have not seen, here hath not heard the things that God has prepared for them. As great as that's, that He is, so awful is hell and the lake of fire on the other hand. Above all else, I must be saved. Let's say it one more time and ask God to get a hold of our hearts and stir us like we hadn't been stirred in a long time. Everybody in the house say, Above all else, I must be saved. Above all else, everybody say it, I must be saved. Christ in this last day to be moved 
by the Spirit of God. He said to go and compel them to come in. Paul said, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Brother Barry was talking about the, the wreck. One of the things that my wife found the greatest peace in, in the midst of tragedy, was the thing she always prayed for. Please don't let my babies ever vomit. Here or there. She said, I'm just so glad she didn't burn up. He's a good God on a bad day. There's a silver lining for the children of God. that when we walk with him if we'll put our life in his hand he'll make us what he needs for us the thought come to my mind today twice earlier this morning then in this morning's service that the vessel was in the potter's hand and he was making it a vessel. But as he worked the clay, somehow the clay was marred in his hand. But like the song says, but he did not despair. He just started over again. He said, and he made the vessel. He said, and he took the clay and he made it another vessel as seemeth good for the potter to make it. Come on, church. God saved us to be witnesses, to be soul winners. Brother Barry was exactly right. He's put the commission on us. Go ye into all the world. Was that in our lesson? That wasn't our lesson. Commission is, though, that you have a co-partner, and that's Jesus. If you'll go, he'll go with you, and he'll open the right doors. Everybody's not going to hear, but he said, go in the highways and byways and compel them to come in. Because those that were bidden wouldn't come. That's a mandate. Against the religious world. Thank you, Brother Barry. How many want to be stirred? Pastor Moore. We've heard here tonight that helps us what Brother Tini had, he had actually written a book. said, keep it the main thing, the main thing. And that's really what it's all about. We're trying to miss a place called hell, the lake of fire. That, that's not the only thing, but uh, that's the main thing. Hallelujah. We want to miss it. And not only do we want to miss it, we want to persuade others 
Amen. In the world that we're living in today. Also in our lesson, now watch this. He about the convicting power. You know what's wrong with our world? Our conscience has become so sheared. Our society and things have sheared the conscience to the place it's unmoved, it's untouched. You know, because there's so much tragedy and things that's going on and has a tendency. And you and I, you know what? Watch this. We got to watch the same thing. Life and dealing with life, dealing with people. It can cause our conscience to become sheared. Amen. It can cause it to become hard. Amen. And untouchable. And, un, 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 you know, and thank God he put a fleshly heart in us. Why? So he can touch it. Amen. And I thank God he'll, he'll do that. Let's pray and ask God to help us. I'm telling you, we're living in a world today, amen, to win people. First of all, you know, we're living in a society that don't even believe in sin no more. Used to, you could preach a message, amen, and, and people would blush and they would be ashamed of their deeds. And there was, you know, they knew that there was going to face of God and judgment one day. But, hey, all that's changed today. And as this other all begins to unfold, it's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. And so the responsibility that you and I as a witness of Jesus Christ, and you can be seated. For Jesus Christ, that, that task is even becoming greater. Amen. Because we're living in a world today where you got people such as the high priest of the Catholic Church says there is no hell. Huh. Tell them there's no, no, there is no hell. And so, man, so here we are, you and I, and filled with the Holy Ghost, of revelation and insight and understanding. So God help us. God help us in this end time. Amen. To make this a priority in our lives. On the jobs, wherever we at. And I know we're busy. But you know what? Let's don't be so busy. We can't be busy about God's business. Let's be about God's business. Let's have that on our mind. I tell you, that's on my mind often now. Day in and day out. The hard work store where I'm at. So God, don't let, help me not to miss. Not one opportunity. Sow some seed. Do a little planning. Amen. Whatever it may. It may be one word. I don't know. But God, you just help us. We don't want to miss the opportunity. Help somebody. Amen. To wake up and be ready to meet you in glory. Praise God. Amen. We need to be stirred. Thank you, Brother Barry, for the word tonight. Hallelujah. Let's don't forget. So let it slip from our minds. Don't let it drift too far away. It's kind of like the same way. Let's don't drift too far from our minds and our lives away from God from Sundays to Wednesday. Amen. Same way with a lot of this other stuff. We've got to keep things in right priority and right perspective. Hallelujah. Keep us where we need to be spiritually. All right. Birthdays. Got any birthdays tonight? I didn't really look at the pamphlet, but I read it, but I didn't look at the anniversaries. Everybody's doing good. All right. Let's stand. Love and appreciate you again. So good to see all in the house of the Lord with us tonight. Appreciate you so much. Hallelujah. Now, the next time you come, you're going to play and sing for us. Can, can me and you make a deal? I'm not over really the music. I am in a way, but uh, me and you going to make a deal. You're going to play and sing for us next time. How about that? Amen. All right. He's obligated. I've obligated him. And, and you know what? He's he, going to get to play and sing for us. Hallelujah. Good to have them with us. Appreciate them so much. God bless them. It's good to have Sister Mallory. God bless us. Pray for the lighthouse. I think they're having a little trouble with the COVID. Had some. Got it. Anyway, let's pray for them. Uh, we know what that's about. And so keep them in your, in your prayers that God would keep them and all the rest over this COVID mess. Now, let's, let's be sincere about that. Praying. God would help. Help people that's in positions and places that could do something about it. And help them not to make a political thing. Come on. Let's just respond. Do something about it. And help the people. You know, that's, that's what it ought to be. And that's what ought to be pushing everybody. But you know what? God can help us. God can help us. Okay? Love you. Appreciate you. God bless you.